Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Okay, Penn State fans, it is Blue White Breakdown time with Johnny McGonigal. I'm Bob Flounders. I was up at James Franklin's Tuesday presser. It was a little adventurous on the way home. Uh, it's a little colder up there. The snow was coming. And uh, Johnny, I made it back. No, there were no big issues, but I probably should have paid attention to the weather before I departed today. Lesson learned. It is definitely summer, fall. Indian summer's over, Johnny. We are, we are going, I think, straight. We're going to skip like late fall. I think we're just going to go right to winter. But, you know, it's near the end of the season. Anything goes. The Redskins, the Commanders beat the Eagles. Aaron Rodgers beat the Cowboys. It's a fitting way for this week to be extended. Yeah, Bob, it feels like we got a few days of fall in there, uh, like uh, maybe three or four days where it's like, wow, this is this is nice out. This is what you want football. There was there was a few good you know football weather games, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking out my window right here in Pittsburgh right now <laughs> and, and and seeing snow and it's coming down and I'm like, yeah. This uh, this this isn't fun, uh, you know. So I'm I'm not a skier, or snowboarder, so it's not like I'm looking forward to this by any means. But uh, yeah, you mentioned that Eagles loss last night. That was that was something. I I have never seen a game uh, quite like that. So you know, we can just <laughs> we can leave it at that. But yeah, bad weekend uh, for us. Good weekend for the Giants and uh, Commanders. Yes, I, I was talking to some of your Eagle fans that are on Penn State beat up at State College. You mean? There's quite a few of them, and, and understandably so. But I said, you know, I was thinking about this. I think, you know, in a way, Carson Wentz did it to you guys again by getting hurt. Because I'm not an Eagles fan, but I'm pretty sure if Wentz is playing in that game, not only would the fans be stoked to beat him, but the team would be stoked to beat him. And I don't know that he is capable of winning uh, a game against a team like Philadelphia. So him getting hurt, I think, really came back to bite you guys. I think Carson Wentz was the happiest person in that stadium because he wasn't playing. <laughs> because if he was playing, the Eagles would have won that game like 35 nothing. Not saying that Taylor Heineke did anything special, but just because, you know, Wentz, Wentz would have crumbled like, like we know he would. Yeah. What are you going to do when Quez Watkins tries to get up and make a play and there's just a guy right behind him just punching the ball out when you've got a brutal missed face mask? I don't normally complain about the refs, but I, know. I just saw that on social media before we, uh, got this started I, I had missed that part of it and that's like pretty prominent on twitter right now and that's definitely a uh that's that's a definitely my bad from the nfl that's that, that stuff kind of can't happen well we'll see if uh if penn state has any you know crazy calls that go against him this weekend and uh i don't i don't even know if it would matter against Rutgers given what Rutgers has done this season i mean yeah you know they they held with uh they hung around with michigan a couple weeks back in the in the first half before Michigan decided to start playing uh, and outscored them 38 to nothing in the second half. Look, I, I don't know what you're thinking here, Bob, in terms of, have you, have you looked at a score prediction yet? Is that something that you've, you've been to? I can tell you this, Johnny. Um, 
since Rutgers has become back on Penn State's schedule, I guess starting in 2014, they didn't play, I don't think, for a while before Rutgers joined the Big Ten. But it, 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 Johnny, it's crazy. Like, literally, save for maybe one occasion, every game that Penn State plays against Rutgers pretty much follows li- the exact same script. Rutgers is life or death to score 10 points. Like, literally life or death. Penn State can play its C game and still beat them by at least two touchdowns. And now I know it's just amazing, though. They've won 15 straight Penn State, dating back to a loss in 88 at home. But Rutgers just cannot, no matter how feisty they are against some good teams, maybe in the Big Ten, they are not particularly feisty against Penn State. I don't know what is going on there. But my expectation is that, you know, Penn State is probably going to hold them, (laughs) probably going to hold them to 10 or less. They might get their second shutout in a row. And I don't know that they really need to do a whole heck of a lot on offense to beat this team. Greg Schiano is making strides, maybe very small strides, but they're so challenged on offense, Johnny, that it's really hard to kind of paint a picture of a potential Rutgers upset. They're getting 19 and a half at home, and I'm not, I'm not really sure that's enough. Yeah, it, it, 19 and a half looks like a, just a staggering figure. Uh, but when you look at the way these two teams are set up right now, and you, know, you mentioned Rutgers and their struggles, and you look at what Penn State has done in recent weeks to overmatch teams, uh, even going back to Minnesota without their starting quarterback, and that was a big win in the whiteout, you, you know, um, disappointing fourth quarter against Ohio State. But you go to Indiana, you blow them out. You blow out Maryland this weekend. I mean, that game, you know, what, 27 nothing at halftime, finished up uh, 30 to nothing. Like, that could have been a heck of a lot worse uh, for the Terps. I mean, they just, they at no point were they in that game. And so I kind of expect something similar to happen this weekend. I just think Penn State's defense is just playing too good right now. I mean, just really from, from the front four, especially the front four, the way that they've been able to get after the quarterback, Chop Robinson, and the, the revenge game against Maryland, and uh, but even like Isaiah Izzard and and all these defensive tackles and that depth along the front four has been playing really well. Abdul Carter, uh, we've said it all year, has just he's been a menace as a freshman linebacker, uh, even without Curtis Jacobs and uh, you know without Joey Porter Jr. last week, and you know that was the, the big sticking point of James Franklin's press conference on Tuesday was. JPJ's availability and that he had appendicitis uh, and that's why he was out last week against the Terps and they are expecting him uh, to come back um, at some point this season when that is we don't know exactly but uh, even without him I mean Caitlin King has developed into one of the better corner uh, coverage corners in the country and uh, you know Jair Brown is playing well at safety so good some good vibes on Penn State's defense right now just one more note on the Rutgers Penn State history Back last year, when you were still covering those uh, scrappy Pittsburgh Panthers, literally Penn State, half the team had the flu, and they still beat them 28-0 in state college. I don't, I don't know what has to happen for Rutgers to seriously threaten Penn State, but I kind of thought last year, if ever it was going to happen, like Sean Clifford had, had to hit the eject seat pretty early in that game because he felt horrible. Uh, Christian Veyor came in. Eventually, he got going through, through three touchdown passes. Malik Mega caught like a 67-yard touchdown pass. Penn State couldn't even run the ball, and they still beat them 28-0. Now they have a running game. Clifford's feeling better. Their defense 
well talented last year. They had a lot of guys under the weather. This team is defense is a lot deeper. It's hard to see it, Johnny. And as far as Joey Porter, I was there when Joe when when James answered the question about he does expect Joey Porter Jr. to come back. But I'm just thinking to myself, why would Joey Porter come back? I mean, he's 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 already he's already faced Purdue. He's already faced Ohio State. I, I don't know who where Penn State's bowl destination is, but he's a fourth year player. He's played a lot of football. I just hope he's healthy. I mean, forget whether he can play. I think Penn State can carry on without him. If it means that much to him, though, Johnny, more power to him. And I hope he can play. And maybe they'll do what they've done in the past. You know, they're, they're deep at corner. He could play a couple series and just kind of have one one more afternoon with the fellas. But I, I was just when he said he, he the way that he answered it, it sounded like James really expected him back. I just don't know from Joey and his family. I don't. I mean. What's the big challenge out there for him to prove he's already in the first round conversation? Do you feel like there's a chance we'll see him, maybe a token appearance? Or do you think James is just doing that gamesmanship thing where he, he basically he could just be hopeful? Well, look, as Bob, as someone who had an appendectomy and then went back to work a few days later, you know, it just uh, I, I am the peak you know, physical performance. Uh, so Joey better get on the field. Right. And if he's <laughs> going to stand up to that now, uh, sitting in a, in a press box at the Carrier Dome is a little different. Yeah. On a Friday night, no less, uh, is a little different than going out and playing corner. Uh, maybe not against Rutgers, but certainly against Michigan <laughs> State. Uh, so, look, if, if he ends up going to the NFL after this season, as as we all kind of expect him to, he's you know projected for a Trump pick. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's hey he wants to get back out there on on a senior day, you know, last home game at Beaver Stadium, and like you said, maybe play a few series. Maybe he plays the whole game. I'm not a doctor, but when it comes to that kind of stuff, it it really varies in terms of just how quickly you can come back from that. So yeah, that's kind of a wait and see thing. But they certainly don't need him to come back this weekend against Rutgers. Uh, this is not an offense that will strike the fear in you at all. Uh, this is not an Aiden O'Connell or CJ Stroud situation where it's like, hey, they're going to be throwing the ball a million times. You really have to, you know, bring it every snap. And even if even if they did, I mean, I do think that they have that level of confidence in the corners behind Joey. You know, uh, jo- um, Johnny Dixon, uh, the transfer from South Carolina, has played well this season, and, and he started in Joey's absence over the weekend. They have Marquez or uh, Marquise Wilson, um, as well as Cam Miller, who's a true freshman who burned his red shirt. Uh, and has been playing some snaps. And so, yeah, this is a deep room and it's it's a room that is led by Joey and, and Tig Brown. And so I'm sure he wants to get back out on the field if he can. But I don't know, unless he's really eyeing a bowl, a bowl game, depending on who they might play. Uh, this is a situation where if I were him, you know, just just hang out and get ready for the league, you know, take take no take no chances. But yeah, that's a decision he'll have to make. Can you imagine just him at the combine just walking around without like his uniform on? Because Penn State fans always see him in uniform. You know, you see him walking around after practice. He is he is so long, but he's also ripped. You know what I mean? There, he's a he's a specimen. He is very fast. He could jump very high. I just I'm just thinking about him at the combine and like NFL GMs and scouts like looking at him and maybe him going through some drills. And then, I mean, it's it's going to be nothing. But I would think it's going to be nothing but favorable. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but. Johnny, let's just talk about a couple other players we haven't seen for a while. You know, Olu Fashano has not played since the, the late stages of the Ohio State game. It's really hard to get uh, a feel for if he's going to play again. 
uh, for Penn State. But boy, has he passed a lot of tests this year. If he was going to leave, I mean, and he showed up big time against Ohio State and even Michigan. He's been good from the very first series of the season. I don't know about him. Curtis Jacobs before uh, the, the Maryland game. Granted, he was a Maryland kid. I think he really wanted to play in that game. He's a third-year player. He was running. He was working out. He was testing. You could tell he was testing his body out before the game. He ended up not playing. I think I have a little bit more optimism about maybe him returning. I don't know if it'll be this week, but you're right. Abdul Carter played great. But I, I don't know that we've seen the last of Curtis Jacobs. And if he does play Johnny against Rutgers, I think it's odds are even better that Penn State could go back-to-back weeks with a shutout. Yeah, you mentioned Curtis Jacobs warming up before that Maryland game. I mean, he was there at the stadium before the team even arrived. He was on the field trying to get stretched out and, and, and go through those those pregame workouts and try and get ready to play. And so uh, you you think he's close if that's the case. Uh, in terms of Olu Fashanu, you know, again, it's like a, an NFL situation. You know, he's already had a preliminary conversation uh, with James Franklin and, and his family, which we talked about before. And, uh, you know, he could be the first tackle off the board if he decides to leave and go to the NFL uh, in, the, in the draft in April. And so, again, if you're just looking at this, like, you know, what do I have to prove against, a, you know, Rutgers? And, you know, Michigan State has some better athletes on that team. But even still, it's like, you know, I'm sure there's desire to, to, to get back and play. Um, but then you also have to look in the mirror and look at your future and and really determine what's best here and talk to your family and determine what's best. And again, like we're not sitting in on those conversations, so it's not for us to say for sure whether or not, you know, we've seen the last of Olufashanu. But I would totally understand if he if, if he ultimately doesn't come back. Now, James Franklin said, I believe it was last week after practice, um, that the decision of whether or not Olu to come back and play, he said, is strictly medical, that the that the. NFL stuff has nothing to do with that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, um, it, again, it, it's one of those things we don't know the extent of the injury. And, and James Franklin, he doesn't he doesn't give us that kind of information. The only reason why he gave us the the Porter news today um, was because he said that there was some misreporting out there in terms of maybe there's fan speculation on, on what that might have been because I I didn't see anything. I might have missed something. So that was a, that was a piece of info that James just kind of gave us to to kind of set the record straight, I guess. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on Fashanu. But even in his absence, you know, Drew Shelton getting a second start against Maryland, you know, and and look, he goes through growing pains as a true freshman would at left tackle. Like it's not it's not Olu Fashanu stepping right in there and playing, you know, to to that high of level. Uh, but these are great reps for a guy like that uh, to be getting at this stage of the season and. You know, we'll see if Fashanu plays this weekend, but if he doesn't, you know, it looks like Shelton would probably start again at left tackle, which would then burn his redshirt because he's played in four games already this season. And it seems like, he, you know, James Franklin thinks that he gives them the best chance to win, you know, him being at left tackle. You know, I think that offensive line has done an overall good job of, you know, that makeshift group uh, without Fashanu and without Landon Tangwall out for the year at left guard. It's done a pretty good job over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I'd expect it to do, it, do the same at Rutgers. A few more notes on uh, Jacobs and Fashano. You know, Fashano, the should he stay or should he go conversation, I think it's a little different because of what James Franklin has said about why he thinks he's so good. Basically, like it's about he, how strong he is, his play strength. And when you're a young offensive lineman, maybe that's 
the the knock that you shouldn't go. You need to get bigger. You need to get, you know, you need to he's he's already big. He's already, you know, you know, handling some quality defensive ends with his play strength. So, you know, he's had a he's had, you know, less than a full season of starts, but that is a premium position. And they left tackles, good ones, you know, you know, running backs have a short shelf life. Other positions have a shorter shelf life. A, a really good left tackle, you know, can easily play, Johnny, into his early 30s, I think at a pretty high level. So, you know, Olufushanu, if, you know, he comes out early, he could really make a lot of money. And and I and I think he could make a lot of money right away, especially if he's a first a first round pick. So I think all of that's going to factor into whatever his injury issue is. I would be really surprised. I think if he came back, I don't know if he's going to play, but you know the risk can't be greater than the reward. And whatever's bothering him, that they got it. They got to look at the big picture with him. And as far as Jacobs go, I think I think as as far as he goes, Johnny. He hasn't really proven himself, I don't think, to the level maybe that Olu has. And I think he probably feels like he's got a little bit more to do. Curtis is is, is a guy that certainly could fit in well uh, at the professional level. He's not a big linebacker. He's a guy that could do some really good things as a disruptive player and in coverage. But, you know, when you look at pro football focus and you look at the awards, as good as Curtis Jacobs has been the last year and a half at Penn State. He's not a guy that I think a lot of people are aware of. And I think that might also impact his decision maybe to come back and maybe have one or two maybe really nice games if he was thinking about maybe going to the NFL. I don't even know if he's really big enough yet for the NFL. What's your thought on Curtis as a projection at the NFL level? Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, I, I don't know if he's there yet either. Uh, and again, this injury doesn't doesn't help, especially the timing of it at the end of the season. I do think he's played well this year. Like I've I've been impressed with the way he's stepped up and uh, you know kind of assumed more of a leadership role as well in that linebacker room, uh, which was a huge question mark coming into the season. Uh, you know, Jonathan Sutherland has played some snaps on the outside, and uh, we've saw you know we've seen what Abdul Carter has done coming in has just been, you know, unbelievable. I mean, he is looking, he's wearing the number 11. Well, you know, you're impressed there, but you're, you're thinking if you're a Penn State fan, like, okay, if we can get Abdul and, you know, Curtis on the field more going into next season, even if, you know, Curtis comes back, I think, I think they'd be in a really good spot. And I think Curtis, you know, for his development, he'd probably use another year of full starting. Um, so I think that that's where I would lean on that. And then one final note on Fashanu too, because you mentioned a lot of money. Uh, when I wrote about Olu a few weeks back, I looked this up and Iki Ikuanyu, the uh, offensive tackle from NC State, who was the first uh, tackle taken in the last draft, uh, number six overall, uh, signed a four-year deal for $28 million uh, with the Panthers. So that is a lot of money. If you're looking at that, if you're looking at an early first-round pick as a tackle, that is a ton of money. And the one thing that James Franklin has always brought up with Olu uh, has been that he's an academic guy. He's a smart guy. He values his education, and I believe he's on track to graduate in the fall. So maybe that's a hang-up. But man, with the twenty million dollars, <laughs> you can take a credit. You know, every uh, every three years, if you want, um, you, you can get that degree pretty easily. You know, on, on your own time, on your own accord. So uh, yeah, we'll see what those guys decide to do, and, and how healthy Penn State. Uh, ultimately is this weekend against Rutgers. Even if they're not, though, I do think that their depth that they've shown over the last uh, handful of weeks has, you know, goes a long way. It's, it's done pretty good. This is the Blue White Breakdown.
Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. It's the Blue White Breakdown, Rutgers Week, Johnny McGonigal and Bob Flounders. I'm pretty sure I, I looked this up in the press box after the game, uh, the Maryland game. I believe this will be Sean Clifford's 44th start uh, on Saturday. That is a lot of starts for a college quarterback, especially in this day and age. He's had a, a unique career. He's actually part of the 2017 recruiting class, played sparingly as a redshirt freshman 2018 behind Trace McSorley in his last year. It looked like Sean was going to maybe be the backup again in 2019, but Tommy Stevens was not healthy in the spring of 2019. Sean got all the first team reps, and I think James made it pretty clear it was going to be a true competition for Tommy uh, in August to try and win the job after he had been the backup to Trace for a long time. He thought maybe, maybe the grass would be greener at Mississippi State with Joe Moorhead. He did get to play at Mississippi State. I don't know if I would call it a great season for Tommy, but Sean's been Penn State's quarterback really since the first game of 2019. So 2019 to 2020, last year, he got the, the COVID year, so he could give piggyback for yet another year. John, he's played so much, so much football, and he's had so many shots against good teams. So the reason I'm saying all this uh, for the Penn State fans is James was asked about, you know, senior day is fast approaching. You know, Sean, best case, is going to th- play three more games and probably start three more games at Penn State. And I think Corey Geiger asked James today, if the longer time goes by, do you think Penn State fans will appreciate what he's done at Penn State with, you know, you know, the subtext being that maybe currently Penn State fans might not be all that crazy with what Sean's done in State yeah, James was saying that basically, uh, you know, when we recruit these guys, you know, we, we feel like they can come in and help. And uh, and at the same time, you know, these uh, you know, these quarterbacks, right, the, all these guys that always come in, you know, you bring in Tommy, bring in these guys. And, and you, whenever you talk to quarterbacks specifically, too, it's such a it's such a you know tight knit group position. And you hope that every guy, if you're the guy that coming in, you're thinking, like, I'm going to be the guy at some point uh, at this school. And. Sure enough, you know, Tommy Stevens was never that guy, really. Uh, but Sean Clifford turned out to be for, you know, so long uh, at this program. And, you know, there's value in that. There, there's value in experience over the years. There's value in all those starts. At the same time, time, you know, starts to you know, it starts to wear on people, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, the same mistakes happening over and over again. And so that's why you got some visceral reactions from Penn State fans this year when, you know, at Beaver Stadium, there was interceptions and turnovers and, you know, missed guys and stuff. And it's like, OK, you keep seeing the same things over and over again. But, you know, James said today that that he, you know, he hopes that Sean is kind of, uh, you know, appreciated the way that he would hope he would be, you know, especially for senior day upcoming next week against Michigan State. Uh, like you said, you know, he's got he's got a couple more starts ahead this weekend against Rutgers and then next week. And then and then you got a bowl game. and. I'm I am intrigued to see what uh, what they ultimately do with the bowl game and considering who they play. It's like, you know, coaches all the time say that bowl season's a new season. You get 15 practices. Uh, is that a scenario where you, you let Sean go out on a win at Beaver Stadium senior day 
And then you go ahead and, and start moving on, especially if the game is in January, Bob. It's 2023 already. You know, you turn the page. That's just something to keep in mind. It's not something that I think James Franklin would necessarily commit to or do. But it's just a thought that I had uh, while watching while watching Sean Clifford set the all-time passing yards record uh, last week in the Beaver Stadium press box. And we're talking about how, how long he's played for. And it's like, you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe they would move on from him in a bowl game, a new season. But I'm sure Penn State, some Penn State fans would like that. Some Penn State fans <laughs> would, like, would like to see him, you know, finish out his career, you know, in, in a bowl, in a nice bowl, wherever that is. Uh, I hope it's Miami. I don't know about you. but uh, <laughs> So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about another Penn State veteran that James Franklin was asked a lot about today in different ways, and deservedly so, because Jair Brown came into this season wanting to be known as a more complete safety after last year. Really just kind of, it was about his pass coverage. He did make a lot of tackles last year, but I think he had six interceptions, a couple of fumble recoveries, and just, you know, the nose for the ball was apparent that he had that skill down, right? But he played for Brent Pry, new defensive coordinator Manny Diaz, who I, I I think it's pretty clear, Johnny. He he approaches defense a little bit differently than Brent Pry uh, did during his time at Penn State, and I think that I think that Manny Diaz saw something in Jair Brown as he was now that he's in a veteran and his talent and his skill set, and he's used him differently just from literally from the start, and it's just showing up in what the contributions Jair has made. Uh, to this team on the field, leading in tackles. Um, statistically, he's an impact player in just about every major category you chart on defense, but he's also off the field, just been a great mentor to Penn State's young safety group, which eventually is going to take over. And James is basically saying, you know, the guy, what does the guy have to do to get more recognized on a national level or even in within the Big Ten Conference? And he does feel like once he gets to the Combine, um, between his physical skills and the way he's going to interview, he thinks that Jair Brown will take a huge jump in the offseason. All I know is he he has easily been, I think, you know, as Jaquan Brisker, what, what a, he's already a stud um, for the Bears. Uh, Jair Brown, though, after you get past after you get past Brisker during the James Franklin era, I can't think of a more a better uh, all around safety than Jair Brown. He's been incredible. And James Franklin said that again, you know, at his press conference saying that he's been phenomenal this year. He's been, you know, great with his teammates. He's been great on the field uh, that, you know, all these awards and and all that kind of stuff, like the NFL, there should be more attention on him. You look at Joey Porter Jr. He's, you know, semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe award and the big narrative, uh, big Narrick award. And you know, he deserves that for sure. But uh, I'm sure that there are members of the coaching staff that, look and see that Jair Brown isn't getting that kind of stuff. And, you know, that, that feel like he probably deserves. I mean, he does lead the team in tackles by a significant margin uh, over, uh, I think he's got 10, 10 or 12 more than Abdul Carter uh, in, in second place. And, uh, and just again, from a leadership standpoint, I, I go back to a conversation. We had a conference call with reporters with uh, Manny Diaz back, bef- you know, way back before the Michigan game. And I knew I wanted to write about Jair Brown at some point towards the end of the season. So I asked him, just about that leadership and about the responsibility that he's taken on this year, you know, on the field with the Prowler package and everything. And Manny's answer was like, you know, he's the type of kid that you, you only get to coach someone like that every you know, once every five years. And you're thankful for the opportunity. He checks every box, you know, 
he's rare, he's a warrior, he's old school, like all these things that coaches love that I'm sure the NFL is going to love when they sit down and not only see him at the combine, but talk to him and get to know him uh, and, you know, hear his journey, you know, from Lackawanna to Penn State and to being a captain and a leader on this team. So I think he's really been invaluable and Penn State's going to miss him. I mean, you like what you've seen from Jalen Reed and uh, Zaki Wheatley, uh, them getting a lot of snaps at safety this year. But, uh, you know, those guys are hard to replace. Those those guys who just feel like they've been there, even if they've only been there a few years, feel like they've been there forever. Uh, Johnny, we are we are winding down this edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. I'll be on with Dave Jones later in the week. You'll be on with Dustin Hawkinsmith later in the week. We have a couple more of these podcasts to go, but I wanted to ask you, I have to ask you, you are a Philly Jersey guy. We are, we are, we are traveling to Piscataway, New Jersey. I, I would consider that, would you consider that central Jersey or is that, that's, that's not South Jersey, right? Central Jersey. Is that accurate or no? It's more central and like North. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely not South. If, if any, it's central or North. Yeah. I know. So I know deep down you're, you're pretty excited about this trip because it's, I don't want to say it's your stomping grounds. I don't, I can't, I can't speak to that, but you know, the Philly area, the Jersey area, that's that's right in your wheelhouse. Can you just take me through? Is there anything you're looking forward to about when you when you make the trip when you make the trip into New Jersey? Is there any place you're gonna stop? Is there a sub shop? Is there a pizza place? Is there anything you're gonna capitalize on now that you're getting closer to where you really, really like to be? Yeah, Wawa. I knew it! You and Joe Herman, I knew it. I'm getting Wawa Saturday morning before the game. I'm going to get a hoagie to bring into the game and I'm going to get it after. And I'm, and you know, my, my hang up with Jersey in terms of like going to Wawa or anywhere you get gas is that you can't pump your own gas in Jersey, which is annoying. It's like, you know, just let me do it. But you know, I guess if it's like snowing or sleeting or raining or whatever, like I don't really mind it all that much. Uh, but yeah, no, I'll be, I'll be getting a lot of Wawa, you know, I'm here in, here in Pittsburgh. They don't have it in state college. They don't have it. So yeah, I will be taking full advantage of that one. Yeah. Well, I can, I know that Joe Hermit, uh, the Penn live Penn state photographer is especially excited, Donnie, because, and I know you, you know, this Joe, Joe loves his young dog, Mojo. He loves his children. He loves his wife, but really close to all of that is Joe Hermit's love for the gobbler. That, that Wawa special, I don't know if it's seasonal, it's right around Thanksgiving, but they, it's their version of basically uh, a Thanksgiving turkey on a Wawa hoagie. I saw him after the Maryland game last year. There was a Wawa down in Maryland. We stopped after the game. His eyes lit up because we found him one. I, he, got, he got gobbler sandwiches for his wife. I think the dog got one. You know, the family got one. Everyone got he he walked out of there with like 10 subs. I think eight of them were gobblers. And I'm actually driving to the game with him. I'm a little nervous about this. I think he might be as excited, maybe more excited about the Wawa experience at this time of year than you. You know what? I, I wouldn't blame you. I was home. I, I got to be in the Philly area around the Phillies NLCS and World Series, like in between games. I worked from there. For that, because I went to a couple of those games, so I, I took advantage of Wawa, you know, only a few weekends ago. So I'm sure Joe is uh, really itching for it, and I don't blame him at all. And the gobbler is, yeah, it's a seasonal thing around Thanksgiving. Anytime you can get that, you get it. <laughs> I, I'm more of a I, like I just always get like an Italian hoagie or spicy Italian hoagie. But when, when you can get a gobbler, you get a gobbler, Bob. You're gonna have to drive. You, you know, he's not gonna drive because he's gonna be 
eating a hoagie like at all times. Well, yeah, we're, I'm not going to let him drive because if I let him drive, he's somehow going to, the game's a 3.30 kick. I think we're going to make the trip uh, up and back in one day. I, I just think that he's going to block off like like three different stops somehow. And we're going to, you know, our day is going to, it's, it's going to go from pretty long to super long because I don't know that he can actually drive by a Wawa or be within the vicinity of a Wawa and not stop. So I'm going to drive and I'm going to have to tough love him. And we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to urge him to order in bulk. I don't know if it's going to work out. He's going to give me those sad eyes, but you know, hopefully he'll, he'll exercise some restraint, but I cannot afford to let him drive because we'll be, We'll be in the Piscataway, New Jersey area for like four days if he's behind the wheel. It's not a bad thing. Just make sure you get just make sure you get uh, you know some soft pretzels. Uh, great, great halftime snack. You're right. You're right. All right. Anything else, Johnny? Before we get out of here? No, I think going out on Wawa is the like prime way I can go out on a podcast for the week. So I'm I'm good on that. Looking forward to this weekend. Looking forward to hearing you and uh, you and Dave chop it up, and then I'll be on with Dustin later in the week. Sounds good. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>